someone who picked up on something that someone said and, oh yeah, I could use this or that and the other. And then two months later, the gift shows up. So that would be an expression of, wow, you paid attention to me. So there was always, there's also embedded in that gift giving was, wow, I just made this offhand comment. You were really tuned into me. So I think in that sense, a gift can feel like, oh, you really get me. You know who I am. You know what I'm about. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril here with my co host, Pastor Elliot Anderson. And Love and Life is your place to hear conversations grounded in psych research, psychotherapy, and biblical truth to help us thrive in love and life. We are here to continue our series on Dr. Gary Chapman's five love languages with today's language gift giving. This is one that I think everyone likes a gift of appreciation, but some people really like a gift. And Elliot, are they materialistic? (laughs) Is that what's going on? I don't think so, but how we identify love can be through gifts. And so often children feel loved by their parents by receiving gifts. The same thing is true in romantic relationship, that somehow the gift often connotates or reflects how valued they feel as a person within that gift. Yeah, I'm thinking about the way that you would give a gift. So we always want to take it to a deeper level and look at the values. We always get back to values at some point in every conversation. But I'm thinking about how some people will value the gift that they receive and it will feel more of a gesture of love if someone actually went to the store to buy it as opposed to click and it showed up in Amazon in an Amazon truck. Yeah, the nuances of the gift giving, I think, are specific and detailed. So did they put some forethought into it? Mm -hmm. Were they listening and observing and then bring something that you didn't even ask for? Other people want to tell you exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. And when they get that makes them feel valued. So again, there's so many little wrinkles and nuances into gift giving and the receiving gifts and giving gifts are different love languages, by the way. I know many people who love to give them, but don't like to receive them. I'm in that category a little bit. I'd much rather give some gifts to somebody than receive them. I have refused to give my mother a Christmas list my entire life, and I will never (laughs) give her one. So I love that she gives me Home Depot cards. That's really all I want. Or occasionally (laughs) some good commentaries or something on scripture that she knows I'll enjoy as a pastor and teacher. But to me, I don't find any value in telling her what I want, even though she knows I always will use Home Depot cards, and that makes it simple for both of us. But that's an example. I don't feel extra love from my mom by gifts at all. So you score very low in this category when you take the love. As far as giving or receiving gifts. Okay, so it's not your love language. No, not at all. So I'm thinking about what you noted a minute ago, just someone who picked up on something that someone said and, oh yeah, I could use this or that and the other. And then two months later, the gift shows up. So that would be an expression of, wow, you paid attention to me. So there was always, there's also embedded in that gift giving was, wow, I just made this offhand comment. You were really tuned into me. So I think in that sense, a gift can feel like, oh, you really get me. You know who I am. You know what I'm about. And for you, it's Home Depot. Yeah, sometimes the, and that is still attention. She still recognizes I need them. I'll use them. I enjoy them. So it's not because mom's, one of her love languages is giving gifts. She loves to give gifts. So I'm still receiving that in a thankful heart, but it doesn't change what value of love I feel from her or need from her. So there's some of that variables. And so early on in dating relationships, 
if one of you is a gift giver and likes to express love and share love that way, you'll probably give a gift relatively quickly. And I've often had students ask me or stop me and go, hey, my boyfriend, I've dated him like three times and he, he got me this. What do you think? They just want to, yeah. and I just have to talk about, well, does it look like they're one of their love languages or communication languages is gift giving? If so, probably not a big deal, but does it match other character traits? Does it match other attention he's giving you or not giving you so it doesn't seem inappropriate or not at the appropriate level or the recognized level of the relationship? Like giving someone a fancy necklace on date three is probably a bit much. So we walk through that, the whole love bombing thing we've talked about when yeah. someone like comes on strong and often that'll be with gifts. So strong in that avenue and that venue just feels a little bit off. So I think the timing of the gifts, what the gift is, the variable about the gifts, all are important. And again, as we've been talking with Dr. Chapman's love language, it's all starting with the communication, it all starts with the words and recognizing what kind of gifts do I like, what do I need, what do I not need, sharing. Stay with that theme of the early days and someone who, now they don't even know the person that they're dating, they're not exclusive even, like you said, maybe date three. And because they are wired to one of their love languages, is to receive gifts. They assume that their their partner they're getting to know also wants gifts. And so they come on strong would be my interpretation, mm-hmm. but they didn't mean to come on strong. They just, I would love that if I was at the store, I just picked something up for this person that I'm getting to know. And I'm getting excited to get to know better. And the person who receives the gift is really feeling maybe, oh wait, I'm getting love bombed here. So they actually pull back. Yeah. If they're an avoidant and they're anxious attachments, they might retreat a little bit by the gifts, even if they're very appropriate, very simple and and not too expensive or anything that's grandiose. It just might make them feel a little insecure for a moment. And someone who's very anxious in that attachment style might be the opposite. And if they're not receiving any gifts, they're feeling like they maybe can't be into me at all. So again, some kind of identification where I see this manifest the most in partnerships is if the style of the gift giving and gift receiving changes. That seems to bring more consternation in a relationship then just someone's style is different. Because we can figure out within a year, I would say, at the most, if someone loves to give the gifts or receive the gifts, that kind of becomes evident, I think, in some capacity. But if it's very strong in the gift-giving realm for three, four years, and all of a sudden it trickles off to nothing, then that's where it gets, couples tend to get a little worked up or upset or wondering, hey, what's wrong? Where'd the gifts go? And then you got to dissect that a little bit. Yeah, you have to go, wait a minute, like we talked about last episode, are you not dating me anymore? Even Mm -hmm. now that we're married, we talked about that notion of dating your spouse, keeping the love alive, continue to cherish one another, still be excited. I know in my marital therapy class, we were taught one of the first questions you ask a couple, and maybe you ask the same question with your couples that you work with, what excited you about each other in the first place? Try to remember those early days of excitement, enthusiasm. And if you were giving and receiving gifts at a certain frequency, now that you're exclusive in those early days of, of your courtship and your connection, why did that drop off? And yeah. that could feel like a red flag waving. Because most of the marital work I do is crisis or preparation, I don't tend to use that because it's usually, it can get one or the other partner in a really despondent place to talk about that real positivity of the initiation, plus the initiation of the pursuit and the infatuation is not often quantifiably able to be the same. It's still a valid question. Mm. I'm not shooting down your teacher, whoever, whoever gave <laughs> you that. Dr. Maudlin, yeah, I remember. Dr. Maudlin, I'm not she trying to <laughs> say Dr. Maudlin was off base or anything. I know her. She was a great teacher. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. her, yeah. But 
the context I see all the time is, hey, when did you serve each other well? When was the mutuality, the support, the partnership feeling strong, which can give you a wider gamut? And often I'll ask, hey, when was the last time this particular issue went well, which sometimes can be two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And so just a little different context. I'm sorry, I just heard it and I wanted to speak to it for a minute. Reminds me of solution focused, catch them doing something right or what is working here. To celebrate Valentine's week, we're giving away a copy of Dr. Gary Chapman's classic book, The Five Love Languages. To enter, just rate and review Love and Life on Apple Podcasts between February 13th and February 24th. Take a screenshot of your review, post it in your Instagram stories, and be sure to tag me at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. The winner will be picked at random and will receive the book plus a few Love and Life freebies. So it's like the Shazer and the solution focus mentality that you're having to look for stuff that is positive right. and recent to pull it forward in the midst of the pain and the hurt. Then later on, I'll go back and we'll kind of dissect into that. It's just getting to the point of some kind of movement, some kind of hope immediately when it's obviously in a dark place. Back to the gift giving and how that kind of relates is sometimes then, let's say the gifts for this Valentine's Day weren't there. And again, we don't speak up, we don't share, we don't express, hey, made me a little sad or a little hurt. And then you have a traditional birthday in July or something, and then the gifts aren't there, or it's very moderate, and then the next Christmas. And so now you got almost a year of hurt and pain and frustration and that wasn't brought up in the context. Because again, I don't know any couples who one or the other couple go, oh, I had no idea my spouse enjoyed gifts. That's pretty easily readable within a couple years of relationship. And also you're talking about tradition. There is a tradition of birthday and Christmas and and Valentine's. So we have a culture that expects some sort of gesture that would be the form of a gift, even if it's a box of candy as opposed to a diamond bracelet. But something should be happening to punctuate these holidays unless the couple has at some point said, you know what, we want to save for this and that. We don't want to give each other gifts or neither of us have the love language of gifts and you all buy the wrong thing for me anyway. Let's you're just talk, not do- You're talking about my marriage. Well- yeah, We're not gift givers. And speaking of the Hendersons, I'll never forget the story of your poor father-in-law <laughs> bringing <laughs> your mother-in-law flowers, which she promptly threw in the trash. <laughs> because- Wasn't the love language. <laughs> and her value was, we don't have money for that. That's right. Yeah. So that's a maybe an extreme example, but one that- It's, it's pertinent though. And they've been together 57 years, praise the Lord. So Mm -hmm. we're not talking about a marriage that's not definably good. But those are an area there. And Bob is a gift giver by nature. Susie is absolutely not. And so they worked on different systemic. And what does that look like? And how do we still meet each other within our love languages, even if one or the other has something that the other doesn't 100% value? And with values, and I joked about it at the top, but what if you do have a couple where... Let's just say the wife does like to receive gifts and the husband does feel like, why does she want material things? Yeah. Then we got to talk about what does the gift look like? Because to him, he thinks she's being a little bit bougie. Oh, she wants this name brand something and I don't value that. And yet she, she deeply wants that gesture in the form of something tangible. Yeah. And then I think he has a responsibility to do something about it. I think that's part of the committed level of the relationship is once we know one of us receives gifts as a primary form of valuation and love, 
you're in a partnership. You have a responsibility to fulfill that in some capacity, even if there's a season, there's not a lot of money and you have to be a little more creative. And maybe that gift is something that is more nuanced than something that spent a bunch of money. So I think there is ways of fulfilling that need and receiving that need without making it simply monetary or materialistic, but it better be communicated, better be talked out. Otherwise there's gonna be gaps for hurt and unnecessary pain. Dan and I took the quiz early when we were dating, once we were exclusive, and neither of us have gifts as our top love language. And so that's an interesting dilemma too, because we still have birthdays and we still have Christmas and we want to punctuate these holidays and celebrate them with a gift. So this is segueing into the types of gifts that are available. So I started writing him song. And of course, he loved that more because he's not a love language of gifts, his top love language, as I said. So he loved that. However, it was a creative, artistic, and something that no one else in the world could give him. So for him, that was more meaningful. Absolutely. And two of our children, primary receiving gifts is a big part of their love language. And just because it's neither for Angie and I doesn't mean we don't have responsibility. And so for Jacob in particular, we've just gone to big splashy gifts. One, like a ticket to the Buckeyes Michigan game this year. And he was totally thrilled. He was so chilled out the rest of Christmas because he had this one big Mm -hmm. splashy fun gift. And so that's a simple modification. We would normally give lots of little gifts and that didn't speak to Jacob's heart. One big splashy gift fits and he's happy, we're happy. And it's a responsibility and also learning. It takes time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in couple relationships, partnerships, you're not going to measure those things out. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, the theme of this is a model that's very useful. But once we do know our partner, again, now speaking to people who are committed, married, it really becomes an obligation. I know that's a dirty word nowadays, yeah. but I'm actually a fan of obligation. I think we... I err on the side of, at this point in our culture, we need a little bit more structure Mm -hmm. and some concrete. And so those brass tacks, and I think people come to someone like you or me looking for that oftentimes. They, I don't, I'm a therapist in my former career Mm -hmm. and certainly was taught not to give that directive, certainly grounded in the Rogerian. But then as I started evolving in my own professional development, finding that, CBT was more Mm -hmm. my home and that is more directive. So when we're looking for something to really support couples, sometimes we're going to step away from that kind of, oh, we don't give advice and say, yeah, actually, we're going to give some advice. And you're obligated now as part of your vows that you made to each other to understand each other's love language and then to act accordingly. As a crisis therapist, we're trained in direction. So it's solution focused, get right to the heart of the crisis as soon as you possibly can and work on change. I've taken that into marital work. And I think the reason crisis couples are referred to me is because that works in that setting. Now, once we get things identified and moved, so let's say the issue is this, and people might find this ridiculous, but say the issue is this misappropriation of the love language of gifts. Once that's identified and we work on it and move it, then I can step away less with direction and more to reflection, more to systemic analysis of what's to move on next. So I think even in our recognition of our own love language and what's working and not working, again, this instant need clarification, instant need communication to recognize this gifts thing is not working or we're misfiring, Mm -hmm. misaligning, B, especially if it's a committed relationship, you have a responsibility and obligation to share with your partner and make sure this doesn't become a divisive issue, which can truly derail the, the entire relationship if we're not careful. 
If you're interested in processing further as you align your mind, body, and spirit, we're here for you. Head over to loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Work With Us tab. There you can book individual or couples sessions. Or sign up for one of our support groups. Purchase one session or a multiple session package. We'd love to work with you. Sign up at loveandlifemedia.com. So you mentioned your kids and Jacob and the big gift. So let's talk about family of origin and how the values that we experienced and learned and were indoctrinated in with our family of origin, how that will then play into perhaps our love languages and how we'll express and move forward with that with our partnerships. Yes, I definitely think there's family systemic to the love language as a whole, but gifts is one of those nuances that becomes pretty evident. And there's some kind of natural spiritual shame in certain evangelical culture families where the idea of giving gifts is seen as like sinful even, inappropriate and materialistic, and Mm. it can cause a little bit of confusion. And so if we've grown up in one of those families or in the context of that kind of association with gifts as it's related to love, that can be pretty confusing and difficult. And then we have a partner who maybe has a very free-flowing, gift-giving, gift-receiving family system And it can be difficult. So they give something to us that's very thoughtful and kind, maybe a little bit extra money associated. It can be very difficult to receive it. Yeah. And Or we can even accidentally shame them back by saying, you shouldn't have spent all that on me. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot. And I know the person who's saying that is not trying to take their shame and pour it on their partner. It's just, oh, it feels intrusive almost. Like this isn't appropriate. I'm not worth this not necessarily worth it to being alive or being a human being or being in this relationship, but it's not an appropriate valuation of what this love should be. Happens a lot. That's kind of part of relational context, relational communication, again, walking through that. And I'd say in the early stages of the gift receiving there in this kind of context, keeping it simpler until some communication flow and consistency of flow and gift receiving and giving is more aligned together. But that can cause a lot of hurt feelings easily. I remember one of the first February Valentine's Day for Angie and I I hadn't quite assessed or analyzed yet how non-gift giving the women of that clan were. (laughs) And I'd done some roses, not a ton, because we had zero money at this time, did maybe three or six or something, and then planned a weekend getaway. I think I'd used some money that received from doing a drum job or something. And she actually cried. And it wasn't crying for happiness. She was having a hard time receiving it in light of how tight we were financially. And then the idea that I would take some of the money, even though she was glad it was about her and loving her and proportionally use it that way, rather than some of the other bills or things we had, it just misaligned with her. She just felt overwhelmed. Obviously later on, she thanked me and appreciated the effort and the thought of it, it just caught her in a way she couldn't receive it. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know yet at this point that she wasn't a receiver of gifts anymore than I was. But that's just another example of the rawness that can sometimes happen in these matters. And we had to walk through it and talk through it. And we got aligned pretty quickly in that area. And then you have a bunch of kids and you got to redo it. (laughs) You got to figure out now what happens with the children that way. If you've been in a relationship where there's some of these family of origin things that come up or play, and you find yourself reacting very strongly emotionally, or even feeling dirty, shameful about receiving something, that's a great indication, hey, we need to talk through this a little way, really work through what this looks like and then how to work on this in the future so that the gifts can be received and exchanged in a way that works for both people in the relationship. 
Well, and this is the first love language we are encountering. And I think acts of service will also speak to this as well, where there's a monetary component, Mm -hmm. which we should certainly devote an entire episode or maybe multiple, do a series on money and marriage and money and relationships, because it's always one of the top reasons people divorce. So obviously, again, so laden with values. So when you talk about a weekend getaway or you talk about gift that maybe someone was raised to think, well, we don't buy those name brand things. That's flashy. That's for people who want to show off, who want to posture. We don't buy those kind of cars. So that sort of thing, if that is rooted in your upbringing, then even if your love language is gifts, there's still that nuance of, I want the gift, but don't spend that much on me because that's out of step with our values as a couple or, and maybe even the partners projecting that's our values and the other one's I never sign on to that. I'm good with that flashy this or that. Or I don't see it as flashy. I see it as, well, it's better quality. It's You get what you pay for. It's better mm. made. I don't want to mm-hmm. invest in a lot of lower cost things because we're ending, we're going to end up paying more in the end anyway. So much to, so again, bringing it back to the financial component of the relationship. Yeah, I think whatever your love language is, is primary kind of trumps the other ones when it's a point of consternation or misalignment. And so you just can't help yourself. That's why you got to talk through them and recognize not only is my love language touch, why is it touch? Not just, hey, it's touch, so figure it out. Yeah. And we'll get to that one in a minute. And touch is very nuanced. There's affection and there's sex. There's just so many multiple touch connection there that make it so nuanced. But I think gifts is pretty similar. Yeah. So you give a certain gift or you receive a certain gift and it makes you feel a certain way. And a lot of times we just don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to challenge someone in a weird way. And again, I'm not trying to teach everyone to be super directed every second, all the time, (laughs) but some directedness and some sharing and some expression when we feel a little triggered or something responds, we're like, wow, this doesn't quite fit what just happened needs to be explored. We'd love to connect with you further via our weekly newsletter. Joining the Love & Life family gets you first access to bonus content and flash sale pricing for books and consultations. And when you sign up, you'll receive Karen's Empowered Dating Playbook or my Empowered Marriage Playbook. Head over to loveandlifemedia.com to join the Love & Life family. So getting back to the pacing, and we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but as we're getting to know each other, trying to understand, obviously, if you're dating, if you're exclusive at this point, I, we'd recommend go take the quiz. It'll Absolutely. be an easy way to figure out. And then so much great content for conversations. And you always talk about a directed date night. Mm-hmm. Go and say, tonight, we're going to talk about Absolutely. our love languages. And then strategize. And really, underst- it's such a great vehicle for understanding each other at a deeper level and then making some very in- concrete intentions. Absolutely. Here's that- your clinical root coming now. Yeah. (laughs) It's all really good stuff. Absolutely. I've had a lot of young guys come up to me and I would recommend this for folks too in their early stages. And they're like, hey, I want to buy her this or I want to take her tickets down to a play or a Bulls game or something. Do you think it's okay? And I praise them for coming and asking. And usually then we're asking some of those qualifiers. How long have you been dating? Oh, we haven't had a date yet. Okay, now we're going to slow down. (laughs) Yes, don't don't spend 250 bucks on her and you haven't even gone out for Taco Bell yet. But I'm glad they're asking because, again, this hits some of the gender representations, some of the 
masculine representation of a male often has this desire to provide, mm. sometimes he gets a little too excited. He gets a little mm -hmm. too wound up too early. Mm -hmm. And so walking through that. Now, I see that also with women, just a little different context sometimes about the same kind of movements. So I think those things are important to talk through even early and even thematically. And I think it'd be very appropriate, let's say you've had three or four dates that you like to give gifts or receive gifts just to throw that out or even say, hey, Valentine's Day is coming up. I'd love to get you a little something. Is that going to be a good way to receive? And, and just laying that on the table. I know for my avoiders out there, that sounds maybe... I'm over here. No way. Apparently. Unless you're exclusive. How? If someone just... No. Uh-uh. Yeah, I, I will disagree with you. Once, If you're moving <laughs> towards exclusivity, let's say that. If you're thinking you'd like to be exclusive and you either want to receive or give in a certain way, I would bring it up. I wouldn't bring it up. I would just do a small gesture. Just like a little tiny little. And how do you know that small gesture is going to be received? I don't know that. I so do why not. do you want that risk and anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I don't think either of us are right or wrong here, personally. I think it's a matter of you got to know yourself, you know your yeah. personality, you know yeah. your tendencies, and know the kind of person you seem to be with. Yeah. If they're a super external communicator and like to process and it's already kind of availed itself that they like to talk through these things, then I think it's an easy play. And I would put it out there somehow. If it's a quiet person, reserved, laid back, you're not even sure their favorite color, let alone their love language, I'd probably wait. Yeah. I think we need to devote an episode to figuring out those early, like that that early back and forth, because that's tough. It is. And it really is. It's got to be authentic to you, but you also want to push yourself a little bit. But you also, in some cases, some people need to dial themselves back a bit as Absolutely. well. Yeah, It's a fine line. Probably based on, like you said, attachment styles as well. So yeah, as we wrap up gifts, Ellie, any parting words for anyone who's in a relationship and they know that they've got that disconnect? How do you recommend people be able to acknowledge and honor their partner's love language, even if that if gift giving isn't theirs? I think to honor Dr. Chapman's work as well, it wouldn't be in the book if it wasn't super important. And I think those of us who don't have the receiving gifts thing is a big deal. We're often like, just go ahead, get on with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're lucky you're with me. Right? Move on. <laughs> I think we accidentally dismiss it or diminish it. That's not fair and it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. So if there's some misalignment for whoever has the gift or doesn't have the gift of gifts, to not neuter it. Yeah. And make sure we know, recognize, hey, if it's in the book as important mm -hmm. as words of affirmation and touch, it's a big deal. So give it some honor, give it some space, do the due diligence, even if neither of you are on that side recognize it's important, it's value, and talk about it. And I would try to look for that deeper value. So maybe you are like, okay, my partner likes gifts, but it's not just the gift itself. She likes that I'm thinking of her, that she remembered, like we said earlier, she remembered that she likes that I remembered that she mentioned something two months ago. And I remembered that and tucked that away. And then when I was at the store, I grabbed what she was needing or wanting. She likes that I took the time out of my day to go and mm -hmm. find that store. Absolutely. And so those are all those deeper values that maybe someone who feels like off the top, oh, gift giving is materialistic. No, no, there's other values that are inherent to the process of giving a gift. And so if you can't, the material piece is putting you off, mm -hmm. look at that deeper, there's layers of value there. Yeah, and I values. think another good example, sometimes our love language gift with one person is not the same for another. Mm. So this Christmas, my two daughters just knocked it out of the park with my wife, who's not a love language gift person at all, like we've talked about. But they nailed it so well, and it was so appreciated and so encouraging to her as a woman that her grown daughters 
were loving on her in this manner that I watched her be completely fulfilled in a way. Hey, I've given you some pretty cool gifts over the last 35 (laughs) years. It didn't mean anything. So it's different. But I was happy for it. I was encouraged Mm -hmm. for it. It didn't make me feel insecure in my gift giving or anything. I wasn't worried about that. But it was cool to watch that. And that's just a nuance. So some Mm -hmm. of you might be saying, I don't really feel my love language is gifts. But when my partner gives me gifts, ooh, this really makes me feel whole, makes me feel appreciated, makes me feel valued. So Mm -hmm. there are variables of those we need to watch out for as well. Well, I appreciate that as far as, again, as we've been talking throughout this series, trying to look at the negotiations that change throughout the family life cycle and your example of when kids are involved and then they're old enough to give gifts as well and to express love in that way and how they can even, and I think that's a really good point too, even if your primary love language isn't giving gifts or isn't any of the ones that we're going to talk about, or I mean, you have some, but isn't any of the one that we talk about in that particular episode there may be a part of it that you mm-hmm. still enjoy. Absolutely. I think that's a great way of looking. It's holistic. Uh, I haven't read the book in a while, but I remember Chapman said these, all, does, these yeah. all wrap together. They're mm-hmm. not, you can't just look at them and say, well, if the words of, that would be one I'd say. You can't just look at them and say, well, if this gift giving thing is not quite right yet, we're doomed. It's mm-hmm. saying, no, let's work on it. It's all part of the bigger package, the holistic love languages, which is, which is why I created my own. And we'll talk about those some other time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the bonus right. episode. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior, first of all. Lord, it's because of your love for us that you gave us your Son. And Lord, gift receiving and being a part of gift giving is a wonderful part of love. And I pray, Lord, that all these listeners who are in different stages of romantic relationship or interest in romantic relationship would make their own love language with gifts and then be appropriate and timely and responsible. And if they're in a community relationship, even obligated in a wonderful, serving, dutiful manner to bestow and exchange the gifts of the gifts of love and the gifts of giving and material things, even at times, Lord, in a way that benefits and blesses the couple. So we thank you, Lord, for these wonderful tools that Dr. Chapman has given to the world and how we can use them in our love relationships. Amen. As always, we appreciate you spending a portion of your day with us. It means so much. If you have just a moment to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and a few words of review, it helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. We're here to help us all align our mind, body, and spirit for empowered relationships. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.